Last Sunday, Jimmy asked us to join him on a quest in 2017. Jimmy asked us to join him on a quest to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He asked us to make a choice, the choice to be filled. He urged us to ask Jesus for his help. The Lord himself said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we certainly want to ask Jesus to help fill us with the Spirit. So we're going to make a choice. We're asking for help. And then Jimmy said we need to prepare to be filled. Now, in my book, preparation always involves study. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about being filled with the Spirit? And answering that question is my quest today. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Can we be filled with the Holy Spirit today? How does it happen? And if we are filled, how do we know it? I mean, do we tingle all over and shout hallelujah? Do we work miracles or speak in tongues? Is that how we know the Holy Spirit is alive and well in our hearts? Well, to find an answer to that question, I'm going to focus on one passage. It's the only time in the whole Bible that anyone is ever told to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we find it in Ephesians 5 and 18. In that verse, immediately after warning the people about the dangers of drunkenness, the Bible says this, be filled with the Spirit. Now, analyzing that phrase, that little short phrase, be filled with the Spirit, requires us to return to an unpleasant world, the world of grammar. Remember grammar? Grammar days in school, you got nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs and participles. And I always hated diagramming sentences, didn't you? But there's no way around it. We must pay attention to how grammar is used to understand the author's intended meaning properly. Grammar matters. You make little mistakes with grammar, it can have colossal effects on your message. Little things like, like tenses. Oh, there's one. Oop. I didn't know I hit that button again, but here we go. Here's a present tense statement. I love you. That's present tense. It means I love you right now. Now, presently, I'm in love with you. Suppose you want to write your sweetheart a note that says, I love you. But in the process, you mixed up the tense. And instead you say, I loved you. It's not going to send the same message, is it? Going from present tense to past tense makes a big difference. It's an easy mistake to make. I mean, all you do is change one letter. But what did that change in grammar do to your message? Or what if your sweetheart read the message, but because of the some defect in their reading, they didn't read I love you. They read I loved you. What do you think their response is going to be? 
Or what if you mistakenly put it in the future tense? I will love you. I will love you says what I'm going to do in the future, but it doesn't say too much about what's going on right now. If you want to tell your sweetheart, I love you, you better not get your tenses mixed up. You need to be correct. See, grammar matters. And I see four grammatical elements in this little phrase, be filled with the Spirit, that are very important if we're to understand what the verse says. Oh, by the way, while we're talking about tenses, I thought I'd throw in a little tense joke. Y'all can read that one while I find where I am in the, in the notes. One of those elements is, has to do with tense. Miss the proper tense in the statement, and we will come to some erroneous conclusions. The verb, translated as be filled, is in the present tense form in Greek. Be filled, present tense, means the filling's going on right now. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. It's like when you say to your sweetheart, I love you, you mean I love you now, in the present. If being filled with the Spirit was something that happened in the past but doesn't happen anymore, he would have used a different tense, something like you've been filled. Or if he was speaking of something that's supposed to happen in the future but hadn't happened yet, he would use the future tense. You will be filled. His use of the present tense, verb, is significant. It means that being filled with the Spirit is currently possible. And it's not a one-time... Uh, it means that being filled with the Spirit is, is, is possible, and it's, it's not a one-time thing that happened in the past... It's not something we haven't experienced yet, past or future. It's available today. Another grammatical element here that's very important is understanding the form of the sentence. We have four sentence forms in English. Statements, questions, commands, and exclamations. You know, sometimes we're just saying something. A statement. Sometimes we're asking a question. We formulate the sentence different, don't we? When an army officer issues a command, I pity the poor soldier who thinks he's just asking a question. Or the one who thinks it's just a suggestion. Grammar matters. And be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5 and 18 is a command. Grammatically in Greek. It's an imperative, a command. Paul writes to that church and to us and commands, be filled with the Spirit. So I have to conclude two things from that. One, I've already told you, being filled with the Spirit is possible today. And secondly, it's necessary. Being filled with the Spirit is necessary. It's a command, not a suggestion. Why would Paul command us to be filled if we can't be filled? It happens. A command is a requirement. So when Jimmy urges us to focus on being filled with the Spirit in 2017, he's respecting the command form of that sentence. A third important grammatical element 
of this phrase is called voice. I don't know why they call it voice. It makes no sense to me, but we're going to call it voice too. Voice describes the relationship between the subject and the verb. There are two kinds of voice, active and passive. In an active sentence, the subject acts. In a passive sentence, the subject is acted on. For example, in the sentence, the boy kicked the ball. The boy's the subject. Kick is the verb. And ball's what gets kicked. If you wanted to make that into a passive sentence, you would say the ball was kicked by the boy. Now the ball's the subject. But the ball doesn't act. It's passive. The boy's the actor. He's doing the kicking. All the ball does is sit there and be kicked. It doesn't do anything. It's passive. When Paul says be filled with the Spirit, he uses a passive verb. In being filled with the Spirit, we are passive. We are not active. We don't fill ourselves with the Spirit. That would be active. The action comes from someone outside of us. Being filled with the Spirit is passive, y'all. We can't make it happen. We can't come together one Sunday and say, let's all get filled with the Spirit. Not unless God does it. We can't do it to ourselves. It's an action done to us by someone else. In other words, God does it. That's why we need to ask God to fill us with his Spirit. See, we can welcome the Spirit just as we can resist the Spirit. But it's God who gives it in his own time, in his own way. So it's imperative we do what Jimmy asked. And in our private prayers, be asking God to fill us with the Spirit. Because the Spirit, the filling is passive. It's done to us, not by us. Okay, one more grammatical element. Whoops. It's very important here is to identify who's receiving this action, who receives the filling of the Spirit. When Paul commands, be filled with the Spirit, who did he say it to? He said it to people just like you and me. He said it to a church. He said it to people who were already Christians. When he gave that command, he commands the church members at Ephesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're already Christians. Being filled with the Spirit is not something God does to save us. It's something he does to people who've already been saved. And so the grammar of the phrase teaches us these things. We can be filled with the Spirit. It's a present reality. It's not confined to the past or the future. Being filled is necessary. It's a command, not an option. But it's passive. We don't fill ourselves with the Spirit of God. God fills us. And he does it for saved people. That's who receives the command to be filled in this verse. In other words, being filled with the Spirit is for you. Now, one more insight and I'll hush. One more insight about grammar. What does filled 
mean? Well, Scripture declares people can be filled with any number of qualities or attitudes. There's positive ones, there's negative ones. 2 Timothy 1 and 4 speaks of filled with joy. Colossians 1 and 9, filled with knowledge. 2 Corinthians 7 and 4, I'm filled with comfort. In Acts 3 and 10, when they witnessed a, a miracle, it says the crowd was filled with amazement and wonder. Not all feelings are good. Romans 1 and 29 says the evil in the world, people are filled with all kinds of unrighteousness and wickedness and greed and envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip. Acts 19 and 28 talks about people being filled with rage or with jealousy. Luke 5:26 talks about people being filled with fear. What does filled mean? It's not a mysterious thing. What's going on when people are filled? When we say we're filled with joy, filled with knowledge, filled with comfort, filled with amazement, don't we mean that those attitudes are dominating our lives, guiding our lives? And when people are filled with rage or anger or jealousy, is that not saying that those kinds of attitudes are strongly affecting their thoughts and behavior? So could not being filled with the Spirit be the same thing? The things of the Spirit, the Spirit's ways, the Spirit's words are so strongly woven into our thoughts that everything is automatically filtered through them. That's how, as Jimmy put it, we prepare to be filled. God does the filling. But we prepare to receive it. So we go to God in prayer. We go to his word for guidance. And that puts us in a place where God acts beyond anything we can do on our own. And he enables us to be more like him than we could ever be on our own. The filling, well, sometimes it may be a dramatic moment of spiritual ecstasy, but most of the time it's the steady progress of God forming us into his son's image. Be filled with the Spirit. That sounds pretty good to me. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I mean, after investigating this passage, I know that the filling is for Christians. The one time the Bible says be filled, it's talking to Christians. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. That means the filling is for us. It's a present tense kind of a thing going on now. Present tense. It's a command, not an option. Strangely, though, it's a command we obey passively. The feeling happens to us, not by us. What I wonder is what can we do to put ourselves in a place to receive the Spirit? How do we do that? Believe it or not, grammar shows the way. This is where we get to talk about the power of participles. Doesn't that sound like an exciting title? The power of participles. We've talked about nouns and verbs. And of course, there are adjectives and adverbs. As you get deeper and deeper into the mysteries of grammar, finally you run into something called a participle. Participles are great. They're not all that popular. 
although they should be. I mean, I've never seen a T-shirt that says, I love participles. Maybe after this sermon I'll have one made. Because a participle shows how to do the action the verb calls for. How does the subject of the sentence perform the action the verb calls for? Well, what's the action called for in this verse? Be filled with the Spirit. And then notice immediately, in the same sentence, the verb is followed by five participles that show either how to be filled or what it looks like when we are filled. And notice what they are here. Now, you can recognize the participles in English because they end in I-N-G. That's how we identify them. Be filled with the Spirit. And here comes a string of participles, how it's done. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The participles in this sentence are addressing. Now, the version we're used to, the NIV, says speak to one another. Address one another. Singing, making, giving, submitting. Singing to God, either with others or alone. Making melody in our hearts to Jesus. Giving thanks to God always. And submitting to one another. When we practice those things, we invite the Spirit to fill us. Doing those things doesn't fill us with the Spirit, because that would be active, wouldn't it? Not passive. But neither are we just sit and wait. That wouldn't be obeying the command. God takes action when we seek him. So I'm asking you to join us in 2017 as we seek to be filled with the Spirit. And let God know that's your wish by singing and thanking and submitting to one another. I know a lot more needs to be said about this And I'm sure Jimmy's going to teach us everything we need to know. My goal today is to give you a sense of what it means to be filled with the Spirit and maybe a few simple guidelines on how to experience it. I really hope you'll take the journey with us. If you want to start today by announcing your faith in Christ and confessing Jesus as your Savior and Lord and being immersed in water to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, well, we've got everything ready here. You just come to the front. We'll help you. Or if you want to pray about these matters, you can approach any of our shepherds. They'll be at the three exit doors in the back or up here at the front, and we'll be glad to counsel and pray with you about it. We're going to sing a song to encourage you to make it convenient. But please, in 2017, go with us on this journey of being filled by the Spirit. Let's stand and sing.